everyone. My name is Charles, the lead pastor here. Welcome to the Zoom Sunday service at the river. We're so glad you are here. We're in a sermon series called Invisible Beliefs That Shape Life and Country. The idea is to examine different invisible values and beliefs that powered different cultures throughout history and still exerts influence on us today and compare them to agape love, the one core foundational value for all Christians. How would our life and country look different if agape love was our foundational value as opposed to some other value, good they may be? This is the theme of our current sermon series. And today, I'd like to talk about the power of ideals in our heads that we try to live up to that can become oppressive and enslaving, actually. Recently, I was struck by articles about the daughter of two famous actors. Her name is Amelia Hamlin, and she was making headlines last week because she shared openly about her battle with eating disorder disease. She was in so much trouble that her family had to stage an intervention. And a doctor told her that at this rate, you will be at 45 pounds in four months and you will die. This woke her up and happily she's doing much better now. What struck me is just how powerful some of these ideals in our heads can be. Amelia is this beautiful white teenage girl. I mean, she won the genetic lottery, right? Her parents are these impossibly gorgeous actor and actress. Amelia is young, she's rich, she's impossibly beautiful, she's got celebrity parents. How can it get any better? Yet. She had an ideal of beauty in her head that made her feel ugly, that made her feel like she's worthless. So much so that it overwhelmed even her instinct for survival. Just think about that for a sec. She was starving herself to death towards 45 pounds. What could be so powerful as to suppress our desire to eat and survive? There was this arbitrary standard of beauty that enslaved her, an ideal in her head that judged her inadequate, that judged her worthless, and it was so powerful it overcame even her instinct to survive. The scary thing is, we all have ideals in our heads that judge and rank us according to these arbitrary standards. This is a very powerful force that shapes our life and country today. It is descended from Greco-Roman understanding of virtue, arete, in Greek. The Greeks thought that there is an ideal form to everything that exists. Some of you may recall Plato talking about this ideal chair somewhere beyond the veil in the ideal plane of existence. And all chairs on earth are simply expressions of this ideal chair. And the closer any chair 
gets to look and function like the ideal chair, the more worthy the chair is. And that applies to everything that exists, including us. So the purpose in life is to get as close as possible to the perfect form. Another word to describe this belief is excellence equals worth. Nothing else matters. So for example, in Homer's Iliad, Achilles is a hero. Why? Not because he's such a great human being. It's because he's so good at war. He's the perfect killing machine. He comes very close to the ideal form of a warrior. So he has arete. It doesn't matter that he's an impetuous, petty, vicious rapist and murderer, right? None of that matters. He's a hero to be lifted up. He's virtuous because he's so excellent at killing. So whatever value or ideal or function there are, if you get close to that ideal, you're excellent, you're worthy. And that's why back then, when babies were born with genetic defects, say a baby was born with four fingers, they were considered hopelessly unworthy because such a baby could never hope to get close to the form of ideal human being. That's what made it easy for them to throw away such babies to die. They even had a valley designated for such throwaway babies. Early Christians went there and took in the babies to raise them as their own because Christians believed in unconditional worth, agape love. Now the reason why I mention all this is because this idea that you are worthless unless you meet some standard of excellence, this invisible belief still has tremendous power. This is what causes beautiful young teenage girls to starve themselves to death. The gospel stands against such destructive beliefs. All human beings have infinite worth and value because Jesus died for all of us, regardless of whether we have defects or not, pretty or not, rich or poor, how educated, how excellent, it doesn't matter. Our worth and value come from God who confers infinite value and worth to everyone. There is no outcast in the cross. This is the gospel. Amen. Now, I was asked recently, well, what about motivation? If you're not motivated by excellence, then what would drive you to achieve and perform? Now, I am all for achieving and performing and excelling. But there is a difference between thinking you are worthless unless you meet some standard, the Greco-Roman way of thinking that motivates us, which results in society-wide depression and anxiety, versus you see yourself as innately and infinitely valuable. So that's why you want to do right by yourself. And this is a difference in why we do what we do. So exercise. There is a difference between exercising because you are valuable and worthy, so you want to take care of yourself right, versus you are worthless unless you get to a certain weight. You see the difference between what drives us 
One is life-giving and the other will trap us in a hell of misery. This past week, I was talking with someone who struggles with weight issue. She said she counts every calorie. And if she burns more calorie than she takes in, that's a good day. She's done well. She feels good about herself. Pat on her back. But if not, she feels guilt, shame, condemnation. She has thoughts in her head. You don't have self-control. What's wrong with you? So eating right becomes more than just a health issue. It becomes a moral issue. Right and wrong, good and evil, worthy and unworthy. This comes from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's not from the tree of life, the cross. So if we don't get this right, we are always going to be enslaved by some ideal, which is good on its own, but when they become tools to judge a human being's worth, these are all fig leaves that are inadequate to truly cover us. They are all arbitrary constructs. They will fail us and they will trap us. Beauty, how we think of beauty, it changes from society to society, culture to culture. For thousands of years in Western Europe and everywhere really, a skinny tanned person was not considered beautiful. It signaled poor peasant who has to work in the field all day and is not fed properly. You have to have some weight to be considered beautiful. Just look at all those classic paintings. From Renaissance to classic Greek era, you know, there is some weight to these people who are depicted as being beautiful. But today, people risk their lives even to become skinny and tanned. I mean, tanning machines are known to cause skin cancer, but countless people risk their lives to look tanned. Do you see? This is all BS. Excuse my language. We are driven to rank and judge each other's worth. And how we look is often a tool to slot people into categories of different worth, even though it's just an arbitrary construct, a standard that changes from time to time. It's all a result of caste mentality I talked about last week. We are driven to risk even our lives to get into higher positions. The, the gospel can free us from this mentality that enslaves us. The Bible tells us from 1 Corinthians, what is considered wise by the world? Where is the Bible scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Worldly wisdom cannot understand God, so God was pleased to use the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Believers demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to believers and foolishness to non-believers. But to those whom God has called, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God 
is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you began to believe in Christ. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to, to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before God. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our worth, our standing before God and our salvation. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What a powerful passage. The Greek pursuit of excellence and success, worldly wisdom, and believers' pursuit of righteousness, Bible scholarship, influence, wisdom, strength, nobility, all these things are tools to judge people's worth in this world. But the passage declares, God has made them all just a big nothing. Everyone pursues them, from Bible scholars to nobles, from wise non-believers to righteous faithful. But all of this has become nothing before Christ crucified. The cross has blown away all fig leaves. It has nullified all judging and ranking of worth by what is good and strong and noble, so that no one can boast, no one can base their identity and worth on some good characteristic of theirs. Instead, we are all unconditionally welcomed and accepted and beloved by God. The weak and the strong, the ugly and the beautiful, the rich and the poor, the black and the white, the Brahmin and the untouchable, the straight and the LGBTQ community. Christ crucified is the power of God and wisdom of God for all of us who are being saved unto the unconditional love of God. Only Christ is our righteousness, the only solid rock for our worth. This is our only boast. Amen and hallelujah. If we can take this in, if we can truly believe in this gospel and live by it, the practical difference this will make is powerful. It will free us from the oppressive drive to be worthy and strong and beautiful in order to find acceptance and peace for ourselves. Now, of course, it's good to be strong and noble, but we do not boast in them. We do not base our identity in them. Then and only then will we be free to enjoy ourselves and our lives even as we pursue these good things in life. In last week's sermon discussion group after the Zoom service, one of the members com commented how she looks at pictures of her past young self. And she thinks, I was so beautiful. But back then, I didn't know that. 
I was so unhappy with myself. All I saw were my flaws. So I couldn't enjoy my life myself back then. But now I think, what was I thinking? I look at these pictures. I was so beautiful. Why couldn't I just enjoy who I was? This is how Satan robs us of our life today through deceit. If we think this way, we can't enjoy our lives today because of these ideas in our heads that make us see our flaws to judge us. But the Bible tells us, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the way you've been made. Let us rejoice and be glad in ourselves for the cross has accepted us as we are. Let's not waste our lives obsessing over our weaknesses as if our worth depended on them. For God has lifted up the weak in the cross. Let's not uh, waste our life with regret either. Don't look back and think I was this or that. We are all beautiful now. The cross has made it so. Amen. To sum up, ideals are good things. But when they become tools of judgment to rank and judge people's worth and value, they become oppressive to the point of killing. The mentality behind it is the same as the caste mentality I talked about last week. It is the original sin. It's in our blood. That's why we must fight it tooth and nail every day. This is our good fight of faith. Let's be free in the beautiful gospel that invites us into a life of unconditional love and heaven will open up for us. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Now, please stay for our Zoom interaction and prayer starting at 11.40. If you haven't checked that out yet, please do so, even just as a favor to me. I would love to see you and hear from you. Discussions have been great. You can also get one-on-one -on -one prayer. And if you like these sermons, I'm just going to be asking you, as a personal favor, please check in for our Zoom discussions and tell me what you think. This is something you can do for me, okay? All right, thank you. See you soon, everyone. Mm -hmm.